But I would like us to turn to Luke's Gospel. We go to the New Testament this afternoon. We know that the Bible is, is full of variety as far as how the Lord uh, gets doctrine and precept across to us. We have, of course, history, and, and uh, we have um, parable and, and epistle and apocalyptic literature and, and uh, wisdom literature, just all kinds of variety. And uh, I'm going to use what we find in chapter 23 of Luke's Gospel as a way in which, like Jonathan Edwards said, that there are two ways of recommending true religion, doctrine and precept, and secondly, instance and example. And I'm going to take the latter as we consider uh, truth in Luke chapter 23. I'd like us to consider the reading beginning at verse 20. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them, but they cried, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors, or evildoers, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. 
And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Amen. Lord, please bless your word to our hearts today. Again, unless the Spirit moves, unless you impress our hearts with your word, we remain unmoved. Our hearts are so hard, Lord. Even after we've considered your word earlier, it, is, it takes every effort. We need thy help, Lord, for us to be listening to your word and, and fed by it, and resisting the flesh. And, and Lord, you warned us about the devil that would steal the seed that is sown. Well, Lord, that is reminding us that the devil can be even in a church service. Lord, thwart his effort, we pray. And bless thy word. Change our hearts. And we behold the glory of the Lord and be changed into his image. We pray in his name. Amen. Another way in which the Lord in his word conveys his truth to us is by biography. And I'd like us to consider a biography today. And I entitle these thoughts, Clues to a Surprised Convert. I mentioned to you that, that uh, biography has a very, uh, Indianapolis is a very special place in my heart because when I came to preach two uh, Sabbath days many years ago, that I brought a biography with me of Adoniram Judson. And I have to be honest with you, when I read the first few chapters, I was ready to just close it and, and pick up another book that I had brought, which I don't know what it was, because there's a place, if you've ever read the biography of Adoniram Judson, and I recommend it to you, that he's, he's ready to just leave true religion altogether and uh, go out on his own. And he has this, this unbelieving friend that is... is uh, Causes is contributed to his demise, and Judson is on his way on the path of rebellion, and he's in some kind of inn, and uh, he's trying to go to sleep. But on the other side of the wall is a, a man who's groaning in all kinds of pain, and he just could hardly sleep. And finally, the groaning goes away, and he's able to fall asleep. And he's checking out in the morning, and. He goes to the desk and he he asks the, the man about the person that was that was hurting on the other side of the wall and he said is he okay and the man said no no he's not okay he died during the night and he said do you know the man's name and he said oh yes Eames James Eames it was the man who was contributing to the demise of Adoniram Judson who told him that 
religion is just a crux. And there he was on the other side of the wall going to hell. And Adoniram Judson was, was awakened. The Lord used that to cause him to flee from the wrath to come and to trust the Lord. So biographies have a real special part. God has a lot of biographies in the Bible to teach us truth. And as Jonathan Edwards says, instance and example that are ways in which we are taught the true religion. And we have a lot of biographies, whether good or, or evil, and we need to, to learn from them. Clues to a surprise convert is our biographical consideration today. Uh, what is the name in the, in the Bible that is, is uh, mentioned most? We have most characters after this particular name. At least I can say this for sure in the New Testament. So a little bit of trivia today. It's, it's not John. It's not James. Uh, take a guess in your mind right now. It is the name Simon. Simon says. So you have Simeon, you have, uh, in Luke 2, you have Jesus' brother, you have Simon Peter, Simon Zelotes, Judas Iscariot's father, Simon the Pharisee, Simon the leper, the leper, Simon Magus, Simon the Tanner, Simon Niger, Acts 13, and the tribe of, of Simeon. But we also have the Simon here in chapter 23, Simon of Cyrene. And perhaps we have three conversions uh, that are mentioned or, or uh, suggested in this passage. One is questionable, it's Barabbas. But I don't, I'm not going to be surprised if he's in glory because Jesus literally took his place. One questionable, one definite, the crucified thief, but I would say one hopeful, and that would be Simon Cyrene. And I'd like to give us some clues to a, a surprise convert today. You know, we all like surprises, even the, the youngest and the, and the, and the uh, oldest of us. You remember when we were young, we hoped for that puppy that never came? I used to look at the biggest boxes under the tree and, and try to shake them. <laughs> there wasn't a dog inside the box. But never never came. But, but she allowed, my dad and mom finally allowed me to have a golden retriever. But you know, you always wanted a swing set or some toy or, or uh, you know, who's the, the guy in the green and his orange horse? Uh, Gumby and, and uh, Pokey. Yeah, that was one of my favorite, my favorite presents. And those of us who are old enough remember, certainly. And uh, all kinds of things, bicycles, maybe a new Bible. Adults, certainly women, love flowers. And, and uh, my mother always loved a, a load of cow manure. That was a good surprise, a good gift for her. But, you know, the greatest surprise, and I think we could all say we were all surprised. If we're saved today, it was, it was a surprise to us because did any of us plan to be saved the day we were saved? God is sovereign. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. That was a great surprise. And I think that this man was surprised. And I, I'm not going to be dogmatic and, and uh, argue with anyone, but I th would believe that Simon is, is, is part of that glorified band. 
But each of the three, uh, the first three evangelists, reserve one verse in their gospel to this man. And I'd like us just to combine the, the verses and read. Let me, uh, let me combine these three accounts. And as they came out, they found one, a certain man of Cyrene, a passerby or passing by, coming out of the country or countryside or field. Simon by name, the father of Alexander and Rufus, and him they compelled or they forced and seized to carry Jesus' cross. And upon him they laid or they placed the cross that he might carry it behind Jesus. I do believe that we find some clues to indicate that this Simon came to faith in Christ and represents many who are surprised by salvation. The first clue is providence. It says, and they came out, as they came out, a passerby came from the countryside or from a field. The throng is just exiting Jerusalem, or some are just coming into Jerusalem, and there's a, a throng going out to crucify Jesus. And Simon's just passing by and minding his own business, it seems. Perhaps he had no knowledge of these earth-shaking events. Is he coming from North Africa right now, or is he just coming from visiting someone outside the city? We're not sure. But can it be, by the way, that anyone could not know of what was taking place at that time? Well, maybe he didn't. It seems just providential, doesn't it? He's coming from a countryside. I believe it was probably from North Africa, though there were Jewish colonies at that time in those areas. We're assuming he was a North African. So the question is, was he in the wrong place at the wrong time, or was he in the right place at the right time? And really, doesn't it come down to it? Are we this afternoon in the right place at the right time? Or does our flesh say we're in the wrong place? And, you know, this can be the greatest moment of our life as God would speak to us. It's either providential or we're victimized, so to speak. When you think of how often the police will say he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, a stray bullet or a predatory killer or a lightning or a freak accident or a shark attack or a random arrow, or like we've seen lately in the last few years, these murderers dropping boulders from bridges upon people. We, we knew a man that was riding in a vehicle behind a dump truck, and the dump truck had just come out of the, the uh, trash grounds, and there was a boulder stuck between the dual tires. And as he pulled away, the boulder just came loose and went right through the windshield and uh, killed the passenger that was there. Providence or victimization. But this man, I believe, is dealing with providence. God's amazing ways to situate people at the right place in the right time. Getting Mary to Bethlehem. Getting Philip to the eunuch and the butler to Joseph. Think of all the providences in God's Word. Oh, to be objects of God's loving providence every single day. We can say God is leading us by providence. Moses meeting Jethro. Ruth meeting Boaz. The thief 
crucified with Jesus. Jesus literally in the place of Barabbas. Is that coincidence or is that providence? Think of our friend Tim Williams on his way to commit suicide. Was it coincidence that he found that piece of literature? Garnett Edwards, a lost man, played wide receiver for West Virginia University. He lived right next door, happened to be eating breakfast on a Sunday morning and called me over to his table to eat breakfast. And football and basketball players didn't call the common person to their, in the public near them. They, would love, they were okay to talk to you up on, the, up on the floors. But once you got to the cafeterias and out in public, but Garnett called me over, and I thought there was something strange. Why would he call a common person like me over? Well, he was invited to church, and he wanted a sidekick with him. You know, misery loves company. So two miserable lost people went to church that morning. And like I said this morning, God left him. I, I, it's just grace. I saw him two years later sitting in the Colosseum. And I looked at him as I was transferring to a, a uh, seminary. And I said, Garnett, I haven't seen you in a long time. And he looked up at me and he said, oh, I feel. And he put his head back down and never gave me the time of day. And I remember as I walked away thinking, that could be me. Why, Lord, why would you call me? He was the one invited to church by those two Christians. He just wanted me along so that he wouldn't feel so, so uh, pressured. It's God's grace, isn't it? It's not coincidence. Simon meets Jesus on the way to Calvary. Like a missionary from Germany, John Kenny, maybe you know who he is, the Kennys, but John and Maria Kenny were in our uh, duplex where we lived in Hamburg, New York in 1987, and we were looking for a building. The buildings that we were renting continued to be sold, so we were only in a place for a short time. And he's reading the Penny Saver the morning, Monday morning before he was to leave town. He says, there's a building for rent behind Emerling Chevrolet. I said, those are huge metal buildings that you can hear all the raindrops that fall. But we'll try it. He says, it's for rent. We never made it there. As we were driving toward that big steel building, our church building was on the way. And it had weeds all over where you could go grass. And I pulled in. Tiny said, what are you doing? I said, we're gonna, this is going to be our church building. She said, there's no for sale sign here. I said, it doesn't matter. I believe the Lord's going to give us this building. And he did. And the man who owned it, remember saying to me, it's not for sale. We've had doctors and we've had moose clubs and all these people wanting to buy this. It's not for sale. And you know what? Verse, I'm getting on a rabbit trail. But the Lord put on in my heart, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turns it with us so every will. He said, I'm going to give you that building. That man's heart's going to be turned. And we just kept praying. The next time I went, he said, what are you doing here? I said, you've had that building, no heat for the last two winters. We have a little church that wants that building. He says, if I sell it, I'll never hold the mortgage. He gave me Proverbs 21.1 because no, no, no bank would look at us. He's going to hold the mortgage. He's going to sell it to you. He's going to hold the mortgage. So the long, make a long story short, the last time he came out and wouldn't even let me in his house, he stood on a little porch and he said, I suppose if I let you in, if I hold the mortgage, you'll get in faster before the winter. And uh, we needed him to take 5% down instead of 10. We only had $3,000 and we needed 1500 for a new water heater and a new furnace. And I said, 
Will you take thirty five thousand in nineteen eighty seven? Sounds sounds small today, but will you take thirty or thirty five thousand ten percent interest for fifteen years? And he shook my hand. I said, and one more thing. Will you take only 5% down instead of 10? He shook my hand in a gentleman's agreement, and, and, and the rest is history. It was like looking up to the top of Mount Everest for 15 years at 10% interest, $357.31 a month. But we never had to call him and say, we can't pay you. See, the Lord is on the throne, isn't he? And nothing is coincidence. Just reading that newspaper and saying there's a building for rent in Boston, New York. So we need to look for these things, don't we? But if anyone is saved, there must be providence. There must be providence. Whether you're raised in a Christian home, that's providence. You're hearing a radio message, you're reading a tract, you're invited to a church, that's providence. And we have that clue. The second clue is election or calling. They found one, a certain man, from Cyrene, and him... It says, so the soldiers were looking for someone to carry the cross. There were many that could carry the cross. In those days, soldiers could just pick someone to do a job that was needed. And in in the case, we look at Jesus, would he not be weak? And and after all the the trauma that he experienced and the lack of food, and, and he was weak. He couldn't carry that heavy beam. It was probably a beam that was just cut down that was full of, of, of moisture. and So the soldiers are just looking for someone, probably a foreigner. Maybe he was taller and they could see him above the rest of the people. And it went something like this. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come over here. And talk about the clue of election. Here's this man just minding his own business. There was a choice to be made. And the finger was pointed right toward him. And he was the one that was chosen. And at first, perhaps he's thinking, this is the worst day of my life. I'm going to carry the cross of a criminal. It would almost be like Haman was reacted when he was told that he was going to take, take uh, Mordecai across the city and, and, and uh, advertise him. Perhaps that's how Simon felt at that point, because as far as he knew, these were all criminals. And he was the chief criminal, and here he was, chosen to carry his cross. Why me? And perhaps at first he was, he was, he was horrified. So was this the election of men, or was this the election of God? We're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him in love. Why are we saved? Because we were elected. Why are we elected? Because he loved us. Why did he love us? Because he loved us. We don't have any other explanation, and we don't need another one. He loved me, and he loved you, and gave himself for us. Had he he to leave home to find Christ? How many of us have had to leave home to find Christ? The eunuch did. But isn't it sad that the eunuch didn't find Christ in Jerusalem? He had, his, he had to go on his way back home. But he had to leave home to find the Savior. But the Lord wouldn't let him go back home until he found the Savior. So talk about the, the, how the Lord can frustrate the devil. Maybe the devil knew that the eunuch was trying to find the truth in Jerusalem. And the devil must have been laughing hard as the eunuch left home with an empty heart. 
But the Lord had an, another thing in mind. He was going to send Philip to reach that man. Is that not providence as well? And so it is that this man had to leave home to find the Savior. Maybe you've had to do that. I don't understand why the Lord couldn't save me in Syracuse, New York. Second baseman on our baseball team got saved, and he started to witness to me, but I was hard as, as a rock. I was embarrassed that he was at my locker opening his little Gideon Bible. And so the Lord says, you're going to West Virginia. And I suppose that she's another reason why I, wanted, I needed to go to West Virginia. But she was praying for a husband that was already saved. So I was, would have been the last thing on her mind, a lost man hitchhiking from a tavern. And so it is. The Lord works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? How he surprises us. The third clue is compulsion. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, and when one compels you to go one mile, go with him too. The Persians stationed couriers on horses to relay information, to force, as it were, a journey to perform a service. And the Romans had adapted it, where soldiers could force anyone to, uh, to go the second mile. So again, it's, hey, you, come here. Yeah, you. So they, they compelled him to come. So obviously it's saying that the man probably didn't want to come. He didn't want to be exposed in that situation. But they forced him to come. And isn't it not true? Did not the Lord compel us? And I understand we, we argue, well, we, as he puts the new heart there and we come willingly. But the Bible says that we are compelled. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draws him. Now that's a, that's a synonym, but he draws us. He drags us literally. I don't have a problem with the Lord compelling. Oh, how gracious is that to compel a sinner to the Savior? He didn't volunteer. We don't volunteer. The Lord volunteers us. Oh, what a Savior. No option. Oh, we may resist the general call, but we can't resist the effectual call. And that's our cry. Lord, give the effectual call to sinners. Open their eyes. Let them see what a great Savior Jesus is. And let them see what a great death hell is. It's forever and ever and ever. Have you ever thought of it for a minute? They don't, they'll rip any calendars off the wall, any clocks off the wall. They'll rip their, their watches off their, off their wrists if they had them. Forever and ever 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 and ever. Horrible. And it's not overkill. It's a sin against an infinite God. Just like life in prison is not overkill for murder here or the death penalty. And so is not the second death just against such a holy and good God? As many as were ordained to eternal life believe. I kicked against that. I wanted to replace the words, as many as believe were, return, were ordained to eternal life. That's not what it says. If we're saved, it's, with, it's by irresistible grace. Sin is conquering, but grace overcomes. Maybe Simon first despised Jesus as they compelled him to bear his cross. And fourthly, the fourth clue is illustration. A glaring picture, him they compelled to carry his cross. On him they laid his cross. He carried it literally behind Jesus, it says. 
Could someone carry the very cross Jesus was nailed to and be unmoved? Oh, sure they could. Can you nail the Savior and be unmoved? Yes, there are people that nailed into that tree. And it was a game to them. They, they diced for his robe. Are we not so cold and calloused? But is this not another clue, a very important task to perform? The man literally carries the cross of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? It's his cross. But Simon had the privilege. Oh, it wasn't atoning, a work of atonement any more than carrying his body by Joseph and Nicodemus was any act of atonement. But you and I must be willing to bear his cross. Oh, what a coward I am. Pray that God would give me courage. I don't want to die a coward. So often I'm silent when I should be vocal, and I'm vocal when I should be silent. Oh, that we would look at souls as as people, as souls that will live somewhere forever instead of worrying about whether they're going to like us anymore, whether we're going to be their friends, whether they're going to gossip about us. Man, their soul's more important than our reputation. Let us not be ashamed of Christ. As Paul said, nor me as prisoner. And that's sad that Paul would say, be not ashamed of Christ and of me. People forsook him. Oh, Paul wouldn't say that he was sinless. If one is saved, we must bear the cross, like Stephen, martyred, Paul, stoned, and and in all kinds of dangers. Huss burned at the stake, Eliot speared to death, Judson on his death march, and Peyton fleeing cannibals. But you and me were just faced like Peter with a young maid or a young man, and we and we cower under the peer pressure when they need the Savior. These aren't coincidentals. These are clues. And the next clue is Jesus. He was behind Jesus. Isn't that interesting? He watched the face of Jesus. He heard the words of Jesus. He was able to see the courage, the poise, the love of Jesus. He heard the words of Jesus to the women that were following, revealing truth cautioning them, warning them, and other unrecorded words that may have been spoken by the Savior. Isn't it interesting how uh, messages to Christians have often been harpoons to lost souls? Remember an instructor, Charles Smith, told me that he has seen more people converted when he's preached to Christians, strictly to Christians, than to unsaved people. It's just God's Word. Yes, the Bible's written primarily to Christians. We understand that. It's, it's the, the book for believers. But how the Lord will touch a lost soul. The morning that I was there in Morgantown, West Virginia, it was a message to Christians. And yet the Lord harpooned my heart. So he may, someone else today. Maybe at this point, Simon began to melt as he heard the words of Jesus and saw the actions of the Savior. I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I wonder if Simon remained long enough at the cross to hear the seven sayings of the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't it amazing that the first statements are recorded for us 
have to do with others. Here's a, a man, a savior, hanging from a tree, asphyxiating, all kinds of pain, all kinds of, of slander, and how he loved us so. Woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Simon heard the best preacher in the world, the prince of preachers. And I know Spurgeon would protest if, we, if he heard us calling him the prince of preachers. He'd say, Jesus is the prince of preachers. Sir, Spurgeon's been hearing Jesus preach now for over 100 years. Won't it be wonderful to sit and hear Jesus preach to us forever and ever? How's that going to happen with millions of people? We, don't, we, we just can't imagine that dimension. But to be in glory and to hear Jesus talk to us face to face. But he talks to us today in his word, doesn't he? Never a man spake like this man. Never a man suffered like this man. Never a criminal emanated such innocence. The words of Jesus were the words of God and the power of the gospel. But the legacy begins. The next clue is association or generation. What influence did this have upon his family? Well, Mark tells us that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. There's no need to tell us that information if the people, if the, his readers did not know who Simon was, why would he say the father of Alexander and Rufus? Because Simon was converted and shared the gospel with Alexander and Rufus. Why insert the names of his sons? This is an editorial comment showing that fruit produces, or, or sorry, fruit proving the root. No reason to accept the clue, accept the clue that there's a sequel to Simon's awakening, his sons Alexander and Rufus. Oh, that God would save all of our children. Oh, we plead the blood of Christ. Oh, let none of our children be on the left hand. Tells us that Mark, Mark wrote his gospel from Rome, where in Romans 16, 13, he mentions a Rufus. Greet Rufus, the chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Doesn't that this say that Simon's son and perhaps Simon's wife are mentioned? The circle is complete. The Lord completed the home in Christ. And it all started with a man that was minding his own business and cutting across the field and compelled to carry Jesus' cross. You never know where one little providential thing, one little drop of a hat, one little uh, missed bus ride, whatever it might be, you and I are children of providence. You and I are God's children, that, that, and he wants us to reach souls. The angels would be, wouldn't the angels, if, if there was a room of angels and the Lord said, would any of you want to evangelize the world? Wouldn't they all put their hands up? And wouldn't it have been done by now? Oh, that God would use us and pray for our missionaries to be bolder and more confident in the Lord. We see the circle complete. Could the sons have been saved without the father coming to faith? Well, of course they could, but 
but Mark is giving us this clue. Is this Simon among the Cyrenians evangelizing in, the, in Antioch? Could this Simon be the one that is described in Acts 13? Simon called Niger. Darker skin than most of us. I remember when some uh, dark-skinned man said, You're, Jesus is just a white man's Savior. I said, you know, his skin was, was lighter than yours, but darker than mine. It's just skin color. We're all sinners, except for Jesus. We're all sinners say, that need the saving grace of the one Savior. He's the common Savior. It's a common salvation. Not common isn't cheap, but common is that He loves to save people of all languages and peoples. When we were in Toronto and when your minister preached that Wednesday, our hearts were thrilled to see about 20 people groups in the Toronto church. And from 1976, when, we, when I started to, to visit Toronto, it was all Caucasian, like our churches are here. We want so much, don't we, to have our churches to be have the, the metropolitan flavor, the universal flavor, and how the Lord has been working. Oh, that the Lord would rend the heavens and come down and visit our congregations, visit our neighborhoods, that people will know there's one Savior of sinners. Was Simon magnetized by the Lord at Calvary? I believe he was. I believe he was, and he became a faithful parent, a faithful husband, preaching the gospel, perhaps, and we believe, establishing domestic worship and covenanting with a good church and being a public witness for the Lord Jesus. Interestingly, Simon says absolutely nothing. Not a word. But his life is deafening, isn't it? What's said of him is everything. Maybe this will be the day of your surprise if you're lost. Or just surprised with the realization that the Lord wants to use us in our sphere of service. No one's sphere should ever be seen as insignificant. So I believe a hopeful, surprised Christian, not certain, but not improbable, deafening inferences, believe a, a surprised soul. But again, as I said earlier, are not we all surprised when we're saved? Jacob certainly was. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. How about Naaman the Syrian? or Nebuchadnezzar, or Saul of Tarsus, or Lydia, or the jailer, or the thief, or the eunuch, or Barabbas, John Wesley, whose heart was strangely warm, or C.H. Spurgeon that could hardly get to the service in the, in the winter weather, and, and some man who was probably shaking like a leaf was, was providentially brought to the pulpit. Young man, you look miserable under there. And Spurgeon knew he was talking to him. And wasn't it of the Lord to use some common, love, lovable, saved man to preach with trembling lips and trembling hands to lead Charles Spurgeon to the Lord? That's the Lord, isn't it? We have these observations. How about Rosaria Butterfield? Have you ever heard of the, uh, um, the lesbian who got saved? She was a professor at Syracuse University, which is 10 minutes from where I grew up. And this preacher and his wife loved her and had her for dinner and, 
and preached to her and said, we're sinners too, but you're in a sinful condition and you need a Savior. And the Lord kept working on her heart and working on her heart. And she was saved. But doesn't she have the title of her book, An Unlikely Convert? But are we not, at the end of the day, unlikely converts, sinners saved by grace? Here's Jesus saving on the way to the cross. He, sees, he saves on the cross. He, sees, he saves after the cross. He's still saving today. It's the way of the cross that leads home. It's sweet to know as I onward go that the way of the cross leads home. Don't pass by as you pass the cross. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Here's the, here's the interesting thought. A Simon had just denied Jesus. And now Jesus touches a Simon to confess him openly. And I don't doubt, and I, I don't doubt that he's in glory. I believe he is. And if he indeed is in glory, I'm going to tap him on the shoulder one day and say, did you stay for the seven sayings of the cross? What must that have been like, Simon? Simon, you were such an encouragement to read about all these years. The worst day of his life became the best day of his life. You carried the cross of a criminal. No, I carried the cross of a Savior. You darkened the door of a church. I was enlightened by the light of the world. How many people walk into a church today and say, this is the worst day of my life. I'm fulfilling my mom's wishes, my dad's wishes. Somebody's been bugging me forever. And I'm finally there and they're sitting miserable, miserably. But the gospel's preached. And how many today, when they walked in the church, they thought it was the worst day of their life, and now they're able to say, this is the best day of my life. God has saved me from a devil's hell and set me free. Isn't the Lord's day when we're together the best day of our life? And the best is yet to be. Don't stop praying for lost loved ones and lost friends and neighbors. Jesus loves to save. His power is still infinite. His death and his resurrection still save sinners. Clues to a surprise convert. May there be many more that get converted today. Keep praying as God's word is preached in the West. As the sun sets on the world on this Lord's day, we trust there will be many more swept in to God's kingdom. Lord, thank you for your word. We are weak. We need thy strength. We're sinful. We need your forgiveness. We're often afraid. We need your comfort. Fill us with your spirit. Oh Lord, we pray that we would end our lives with zealous enthusiasm for thee. Oh Lord, revive our hearts. We know that the sand for many of us is on the bottom of the glass. We pray, Lord, that you would make our lives count for you, that we would still bring forth fruit in old age. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless your word throughout the world. See those evangelists going up into the 
jungles and into little villages. See them, Lord, in the jails. See them in the nursing homes, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the military. Bless the chaplains that are preaching your word. See, the, see souls that are knocking on doors, that are in parks witnessing, in and out or out of stadiums, reaching the lost. Oh Lord, we pray that you'd multiply the conversions of sinners. Jesus, you've seen the travail of your soul and you're satisfied. We thank thee that you love to convert, to change sinners into saints. Keep working, Lord. Please take our lives and make them count for you. We pray in your name. Amen. The 